On today's episode of the Nifty Nick Show, I'm thrilled to have on AJ Vaynerchuk, a co-founder of VaynerMedia and Vayner Sports, and an early collector to the world of NFTs. In this episode, we explored AJ's collection, how he got involved, and how he's thinking about NFTs as it applies to his clients. The show's all about learning from those with skin in the game in the world of NFTs, and as usual, today's guest is no exception, so let's get started. If you're looking for some crypto, you just found the right spot. We wrap it up, one of a kind, NFT straight to the top. Now don't go trading based on comments, we provide in this show. It's not investment advice, but our picks do tend to blow up. Like a rocket, they say. Many people have compared it to people's every day. So if you're trying to figure out what's going on in this space, please do not worry. Your boy Nifty Nick is hot on the case. Yeah. All right, and I am here today with AJ Vaynerchuk. AJ, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Nick. So yeah, I wanted to get started. Uh, we can have a conversation about you know what led up to uh, this NFT or you d- jumping into NFTs. Uh, I think would probably be a good place to start. And then I want to dive into, you know, what, what you're doing today and in the world of yeah. NFTs and everything else, but yeah. That sounds good. Um, you want to, you want me to start with kind of like the backstory of how I got to NFTs and yeah, sure. So I guess where it really starts is with um, Bitcoin back in 2013. Um, you know, my involvement with Bitcoin, my brother's involvement with Bitcoin was a classic case of us doing a really good job of us surrounding ourselves with really smart people. Um, you know, even before then, one of the best things I've ever done in my life, one of the best decisions I ever made was I did an internship out in San Francisco in between my junior and senior year of college. Um, I interned at a company called Revision 3, which was a sister company of Dig. Um, Kevin Rose, who's a friend of ours, hooked me up with that internship. And just being out in San Francisco and in you know, the heart of Silicon Valley in the late 2000s was big for me. That was 2008. And I was also really lucky that, you know, Gary helped me kind of get around, like went to the future of web apps in London. I did, I actually did South by Southwest as my spring break, my three of my four years of college. Um, so, you know, because of that type of stuff, we had really smart people around us. You know, I consider myself to be really smart. My brother to be really smart too, but when it comes to really advanced early adoption to technology, um, just having friends around us was key. So I think it was South by Southwest in 2013, just had a group talking about Bitcoin. And, and admittedly, I didn't fully understand it, but I went ahead and, and made a small investment, put some money towards it. You know, Bitcoin was something like $230 a coin at that point, I believe. Yep. So that worked out, literally followed the same pattern. Some of those same folks, I, I wanna say it was Aaron Battalion the former um, CTO of Living Social, Lightspeed Now, among other things. Um, he told me about Ethereum. So I picked some up in 2014. Um, Gary and I had a fund that did the Series B in Coinbase. I wanna say that's 2015. Um, so, you know, we had crypto and, and our eyes on crypto for a while. Then probably the next step was we did a seed investment in Roll. The, uh, the currency platform, the virtual digital currency platform that powers, um, I think Whalecoin is probably the biggest market cap that they power. So we did the seed investment in Roll, I want to say in 2018. And then about, you know, I wasn't the earliest to this, and I'll give my brother the credit because he deserves it. He put me on to um, like CryptoPunks and NBA Top Shot back right around the new year. Call it like late December, early January. And so, you know, I started buying NBA Top Shot packs when you could just literally, I literally bought like 50 packs because that's how available they were back in the beginning of January. 
Um, we were looking at CryptoPunks. I'll admit I didn't get it right away, um, but it didn't take me long to kind of understand why punks made a ton of sense. And so, you know, scooped up some punks um, and really just saw it. And I think with my background, I'm a collector at heart. I mean, literally like right here. I grew up a diehard sports car collector. Um, this is actually my favorite set, a set called Kaboom, which is kind of like the intersection of comic book and trading cards. This is Steph Curry from the first year of Kaboom. And so I was a diehard collector of like sports cards and action figures. I was a big wrestling fan, had all the wrestling figures. And so collecting was always big to me. I was a big fan of, I played MMORPGs growing up, like Ultima Online was big for me in my teens. I was a big Pokemon player, both like Game Boy as well as trading cards. So what I saw with Punks and Top Shot was I just thought this was kind of like the, the next step towards an improved efficiency around collectibles and showing off those collectibles and trading those collectibles. Like the, the experience of buying this card off of eBay versus just buying a moment on Top Shot is night and day. You know, you're not dealing, you're just, it's just so much better. There's so much less friction, right? And so, um, you know, I think, and my brother's the same way. He, you know, he's 11 years older than I am. He's my best friend. And he introduced me to a lot of my interests. And so I would say in early January, like, all right, I think the conclusion that we came to that was that this was the most innovative situation that we had seen in kind of that intersection of technology and marketing since web 2.0 and social media in the mid to late 2000s. And, you know, I would say we've just gone really hard over these last uh, six to yeah, six, seven months. So I had Gary on the show. He was chatting about um, NFTs. And uh, one thing that I mentioned to him at that time was, uh, you mentioned Aaron in this case, was, uh, well, was Aaron and I asked about, I was like, you know, when I, so I didn't get into NFTs until I think February. And uh, it wasn't until like the Beeple thing exploded that I'm like, oh shit, this is like real legit. Like this is, this is a watershed moment. And uh, what I was doing at that time was following people on Twitter. And there were basically like four friends of people who I follow on Twitter. It was you, Gary, Aaron, Mike Lazaro were like the four people that showed up that were following before everybody else. Like those individuals that, you know, I I think all of us follow in in sort of the NFT space, basically. And so I was like, man, okay, like they're. Uh, and you'd show up like b- before a, l- a lot of it. So I was like, okay, they're doing the research here. Like th- this oh, is, yeah. uh, we were, we were definitely snakes in the garden in like January and February. We knew that there was something here. You know, my brother has, my brother has eyes on him. Um, you know, he's got a big platform and has brand equity as far as being, you know, innovative and one step ahead. And so we definitely spent a good, like four to eight weeks learning. We did a lot of following. I think probably the most valuable utility for me in the beginning was the Larva Labs Discord channel. Um, just going into the CryptoPunks channel in particular and just listening and watching and um, and then finding those people on Twitter and following them and then following the people that they were having conversations with. And so that was very valuable. Um, and, and what was funny was I think probably like the first hint that we were really interested in this space and it was kind of a misstep on my part because um, I, you know, I, I did a bad job of understanding that a lot of people follow my brother and look for my brother to this stuff. And then in turn, also trickle down effect, follow me. I changed my Twitter profile pic to one of the punks that I had, a top hat punk. And that kind of opened Pandora's box a little bit. We, Gary started getting hit up a ton and, 
Um, that was kind of like the beginning of it. But I did wait like a good six weeks or so before that that happened. You know, I, I will say I spent time in the Discord, uh, in the CryptoPunks Discord. I feel like I've even like interacted with Gary in that one. And now there's mm -hmm. like a, there's a ton of Discords as well. It sure. it's it's definitely expanded and there's now like sub movements of uh, yeah. collections taking place, which are completely independent of the punks. The punks are not the one that are, oh, yeah. that, that are influencing it. There's now a lot of people that are really uh, speculative, I would say, and sort of yeah. trying to cat catch on this, uh, catch in on this opportunity, but miss the boat with punks and now trying to get this second wave. That's and, human behavior. Yeah. <laughs> It's the same thing with like the coins, right? So many people are like, oh, Ethereum and Bitcoin, they're so expensive. Let me go chase Doge and all these other yeah. things. And I think the same type of behavior is happening in the NFT space as well, for sure. Because, you know, I mean, Punk, I didn't, last I checked, it was like still around 35 to 40 grand for the cheapest Punk. And yes. that's for a lot of people, that's not obtainable. And I get that. Yes. And so they're trying to drum it up. And, you know, you're seeing Board Ape Yacht Club getting a ton of love because I think those started at 0.2 ETH as a fair drop. And then, seeing some buzz around the Yeti project right now. And I think people are desperately trying to find the next iteration of the big NFT that pops. I, I got an board ape at 0.14. Yeah. Anyways, I wish I'd gotten more, but uh, I, I do sure. have them. I think, I think it's, listen, I've got a, I've got a few as well. And, Hindsight's always twenty twenty. I wish I had a hundred of them. Not, not exactly. A few. Yeah, I wish my portfolio exploded to a hundred million dollars overnight. That right. would be cool. Right. Um. So. Yeah. so I'm wondering, like, in terms of V friends, how were you involved with that at all? I was. I was mostly like an advisor. Um, you know, I just, I do have a day job running a sports agency, and I could, you know, it was an enormous project. But you know, I probably spent, I don't know, fifty to seventy-five hours on it, maybe a little bit less over the course of a few months. Um, you know, and and a lot of conversations with Gary. That kind of led. We were we landed on V Friends pretty early, um, maybe late January, early February, probably three to four weeks of us being involved. So V Friends wasn't an overnight project, and I think people that understand the space can see the level of effort that went into it and the the level of thought that went into it. Um, it took us three and a half months or so to bring it from idea to life, um, and it was because we were very careful. We we're very analytical. We played around a ton with just kind of like the mechanics of it. Um, I mean, Gary hand drew every single character himself. And so, I, you know, I'm a math guy and I think my brother relies on that piece. So I spent a lot of time playing around with the scenarios of what type of supply should we have? How many characters? You know, we landed on the five one of one spectaculars, the two epics, the five rares, the I think it's eight rares and then the 20 core like. We're, you know, and then all the access types and we spent a lot of time kind of thinking through like, well, how much time of Gary's can we actually give in an annual basis and a lot of internal discussions around pricing and launch plan and launch format. We landed on the Dutch auction for all 10,255. And so I was really kind of like a strategic advisor to the project, I would say. Um, but there was a team that was every day all in you know i spent like i said i spent 50 to 75 hours over the course of the project there's team members that spent 50 to 75 hours a week over three and a half months so um i was a small piece of it but it was fun to be a part of
Well, and now it's the resale market is insane. Like it's shockingly high. I mean, I don't not to like knock. I I, I believe no, no, obviously no, I in Gary and uh, and the and the uh, Vayner Nation and everything else. But I think um, I'm just like wow, that is insane that there's that much action at four ETH um, per item. Yeah. Uh, it, it's pretty incredible, and I think it also just goes to show the absolute potential that exists in this space. Um, the fact oh, that yeah. it's sustaining um, at that price is because, I mean, obviously the value that Gary's created behind it, the promise of what is to come, I think. And, and there's so yeah. much, it, it, it's pretty, it's pretty nuts. Um, it's, it's bonkers to, to see, but it's also phenomenal to see. And I, you know, I, I was super hesitant um, to actually get involved. <laughs> Gary mentioned something on there. He was like, dude, please tell me, please tell me that you own one. And I was like, oh, and <laughs> now I'm like, shit. <laughs> like this, yeah. This is yeah. I think, um, you know, I think something that wasn't taken into account or wasn't taken seriously enough in the beginning that I think Gary has been able to show glimpses of and kind of sneak peeks into is that VFriends first and foremost is actually not an NFT project. V friends is an intellectual property that we are standing up as an NFT to get it started. And we thought that was a great vehicle and it made a ton of sense. I think the analogy that I like to latch onto is, um, angry birds started as an iPhone game and then it expanded and turned into a movie and a Halloween costumes and coloring books and plush toys. And so I think V friends has the same type of roadmap, you know, in a world where angry birds was literally birthed through a mobile game. And is now a, a real IP. I think VFriends has that same uh, road ahead. And what's even more exciting is that one, my brother's an IP person. Like my brother's much more of a, a Walt Disney type. I'm not comparing him to Walt, but he's that he's going to create characters and stories way more than he is going to build the next great SaaS company, right? And so it goes to his strength. He's put 15 plus years of building a real community where he's shown to them, hey, he's made promises and delivered on those promises over and over and over again. It's a real track record. And we have incredible infrastructure. I mean, we have 1,500 employees globally that focus on building brands and telling stories. And so the little things that he's done, like the collab he did with Jeff Staple around the, uh, the merch for the pigeon, um, even the content he's posted on his own personal account where he's integrated some of the characters, I mean, the community, I mean, VFriends Discord, I'm going to look at it right now because I don't want to shortchange it based on the last time I looked at it. I mean, we've got, what do we have? I got it's, my phone. It's, it's like a couple hundred thousand or some, some, some insane I think a, number I think like it's that. it's less yeah. than 200,000, but it's a real number. I mean, we're yeah. at, at 150,000 members on the Discord. Yeah. I think that tells you a lot about um, what's being built here. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. I don't want to spend all our time talking about V friends, but I mean it. It is. Uh, it is okay. I mean, it, it is timely and relevant. I spend most of my time. <laughs> I spend most of my time talking about it. So that's fine. Okay. Well, it's pretty exciting to see, um, and, it, and it's quite impressive. So you've jumped into this space. I'm wondering, like, in terms of collectibles, like, so you were you were sharing the cards that you have. How yep. ha, have those same skills transferred over? Is it the is it the same game here? Is that what how you yeah. view it? I think it is a transferable skill. I think if you have a long track record of understanding how collecting works and how markets work, I think it brings value to this. Um, it's, it's a lot, you know, it's, it's, it's supply and demand, it's scarcity, 
it's understanding that aesthetics do play a slight role in all this. Like I showed you with those cards, like part, the reason why I'm, I love this set kaboom is a couple of reasons. One, um, ultra scarce, you know, I think this, this is Steph Curry's first kaboom. And I think there's only like 12 or 13 PSA tens. This is one of them. Right. So think about how limited that supply is. Um, and then the other thing that I liked about it is the aesthetic. I felt as if this was something that accomplished two types of fans in terms of that comic book art aspect too. And so I thought that gave it a broader reach. And I think supply, demand, and scarcity, I think um, a good example of that, and I haven't checked recently, but you can't just do it all on math because this is, we are humans making these purchase decisions. So for example, I know that there are a few traits in CryptoPunks that are more rare than others, but don't trade at a higher rate, right? So for example, a hoodie punk is actually more common than a few other punks that are more rare, um, but trades at a higher rate because it just looks cool and it's more modern. And I think like hoodies do better than buck teeth, even though buck teeth are more rare, just buck teeth aren't as aesthetically pleasing, right? Or don't fit as much culturally. And so I do think that um, that skill set from any sort of collectible can apply to NFT collectibles too. I mean, I think what you hit on right there is actually so important and I see it all the time where it's like, and this conversation happens in the, especially in the board Ape Discord where they're like, yeah. oh, well, like, but is seven traits or four traits or whatever the number is. And I'm like, do you like that? Like, do you think that looks right. cool? Because, uh, you know, it may, it may be four traits or whatever, but looks like crap, like has the, the eyes. Well, I, I'm not a fan of the eyes out of the head. Maybe, maybe you are, but the, the uh, uh, like whatever element that is, you're like, that, that just doesn't look good. So it's just not going to be valued at that price. It's going to play a role. Yeah. Like there ha it can't all be done on math. There is some sort of, you know, aesthetic aspect that matters in my opinion when it comes to collectibles. Uh, which is why I like a, a better looking 1% trait than a rare 0.7% yep. or whatever it is. I'm like, you know, uh, well, I can hold on to this and I like it. Like I, I, like, yeah. to, like, I like to look at that. So 100%. That's uh, always helpful. So in terms of, well, I was going to ask it later, but maybe we can, I'll, I'll ask it now because I'm curious. Um, I want to jump into some of the uh, projects you're looking at today. I'm curious about, but how would you say like your NFT portfolio is distributed? Is it heavily punks? Is it like 40% punks, 40% top shot, 20% like uh, speculative betting? Like, yeah. So my wallet, my wallet's interesting if you look at my wallet, I wouldn't, you, you could get the wrong impression from the perspective of, um, I buy a lot of NFTs as research. So I will buy NFTs to see the user experience, to learn, to almost bookmark something. I'll literally buy an NFT for like 200 bucks. So I don't forget about that NFT. Right. And so when I see it, my, my preferred way of looking at my wallet is through uh, rainbow. I'm a big fan of rainbow, the iOS app. And so I think if you look at the financial value of my portfolio, it's probably pretty heavily leaning towards punks. Um, I spent a good chunk on punks and well, technically top friends. Well, yeah, that would, that would make sense, but top shot yeah. doesn't show up uh, on your wallet. So no, you're right. It doesn't, which, which is a miss for me personally. Um, but you know, I do have, I do have an extensive collection on top shot. I've done very little marketplace buying. Like I said, about 50 packs 
the first time I went on the site. And with VFriends, VFriends was a funny experience for me. I, uh, I only bought three because I just felt like I was conflicted beyond that point. Like I couldn't buy, I would buy a hundred if it wasn't an issue, but I thought optically it wouldn't look good. So I bought three, my brother gifted me one as a thank you for the work I put into it. Uh, funny enough, three of my four V friends are the, uh, the very, very lucky black cat, which is the logo, uh, friend. I'm a big fan of that. I think that matters, but yeah, I mean, if you look beyond V friends and punks, like I'll, I'll show you a quick scroll. Like it's a pretty, it's a pretty, um, like a lot of ones and twos yeah. in there. Um, I got a good chunk of like art blocks, um, like different, like I got ringers and chromy squigglies and, and crypto blots and things of that nature. Um, art blocks is great. It's, it's hit or miss though. Like sometimes like so I'll even have artists that are like, cause I have artists that I respect in the space and they'll be like, yo man, I got this, like hot, this one is the hot tip. You're going to want to buy this. I buy that. No, nothing. Then I go at another one and I'm like, damn, that looks like hot fire. Don't buy it. And then I'm like, oh, damn, like that one's now like doing incredibly well on OpenSea. Th those yeah. are those are I, I think th those have a different uh, sort of trajectory yes. in the experience on uh, on uh, the secondary, though, where you get a lot of action right after the uh, sale. Mm -hmm. Everyone places, you know, gets the piece that they want. There's a lot of exchanging going on. And then it's just a piece of art. Like it's, it's a yes. piece of art that I have hanging on my wall, essentially. I've got, I've got like 13 or 14 art blocks and every single one is one that I would be comfortable hanging in my house. And I don't care if it goes to zero and if it ends up appreciating big time, awesome. But I have plans to literally digitize and frame all of them. Yeah. I have, my home. I have so one hanging on my wall. That's how I went. Here, so, yeah, so, that's yeah. how I went. Um, and things like I've got a few infinite objects over here mm -hmm. that my kids actually unplugged, but, um, Excuse me. So that's kind of the approach that I took with the art side of things. And then, um, yeah. So what are you, uh, wh what are you looking at today? I want to actually get into the sports stuff in, in a second, but what, um, what NFTs are you interested in outside of V friends and some of the stuff that we mentioned today? Are there any new projects that you're interested in? Are you like a, a D gen when it comes to buying some of the, like, are you speculating on some of frankly to me what looks like hot garbage with some of these uh different plays yeah but there's a bunch of people jumping in right now just for the flip yeah i um i'm not degening as much as i would like to and it just comes down to like i've got three kids under four i've got you know vayner sports has 75 clients across four different sports um gary and i have actually started up a fund focusing on um nft and web3 and blockchain technology and so I just don't have the time. I degened in the beginning and that was fun and I'm glad I did. And I learned a ton, but, um, I've not been degening as much as I've liked to recently, but we've got some people on the payroll that their job is literally to degen. So, uh, Gary and I miss out on the fun, but at least we get a lot of the context. It is a bad habit. I'm like, okay, like I have, I have a job as well. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I gotta go and do my actual work. Um, but, but it's sort of like I'm missing out on some random moment that's happening on some discord somewhere where like it really is that like random trigger uh, of like a snowball that happens and you you're you're either in it or you're not at that um, at that moment. That's exactly right. I um you know, I would say as far as projects go, you know, one that I'm partial to and, you know, full disclosure, um, a little bit of a bias. I like Avastars. I just think it's an underrated project in the ecosystem. Um, big reason I like it though, is just the respect for the team behind it. 
Um, so the company, the holding company NFT 42, which is, um, you know, Jimmy's the one that I deal with the most and then Nate Alex and the rest of that crew, um, they built vFriends. They were the smart contract behind vFriends. So obviously got to know them very well. And then our fund is actually an investor in NFT 42. So I have a bias there, but that also is why I have a bias. Beyond that, you know, I've definitely kept my eye on Board Ape. I think Board Ape has made a lot of uh, a lot of waves. I think that what what's happening with Board Ape reminds me a little bit of kind of like the meme stock market in the sense that I feel like the same energy that pumps up an AMC and a GameStop and is got a little bit of that with Board Ape, where Board Ape was an accessible, right? Where I think a lot of people that came in were like, well, listen, I can't afford a forty thousand dollar crypto punk. Fuck that. Let me find the next project and let's all band together and make it as powerful or bigger than CryptoPunks. And so I think from just like a societal interest, I've definitely kept my eye on it. Like I said, I've got a few of them. Um, I continue to keep my eye on it. And then obviously like I'm on Crypto Slam five times a day, seeing what BeFriends is up to. And I'm seeing, you know, me bits and Bored Ape and Punks and So Rare. So I'm seeing the same cast of characters in that top five. So that obviously lends me to be uh, keeping close tabs on that too. Yeah, uh, which definitely makes sense. And I think what you said with um, uh, meme stock market, but more importantly, the the desire of people who missed out on CryptoPunks, I was discussing that. I had Nate Alex uh, was actually, I think, the last podcast I published. So yeah, he he, he was on and uh, NFT42 is uh, building some cool stuff. So I'm curious um, in terms of eSports. So as you were saying, you know, you're managing this company, you have uh, a lot of uh, clients, so you have your yep. um, the the athletes themselves. What, are you working with slash advising? Uh, uh, what's the conversation looking like uh, with yeah. um, these athletes as it applies to NFTs today? And in contrast to, I think we saw a little short term boom there. We saw Gronk followed by someone else. Yep. I forget. I'm blanking on the other. Per- yeah, but th- the second one didn't pan out as well as uh, like. Mahomes was big, and then Gronk was big, and then, you know, um, DeChambeau had a little one. Francis Ngannou had a little yeah. a decent one. And then it's been mainly quiet. There's been a lot of fail projects on the sports side. So, yeah, um, so I take great pride in the fact that Vayner Sports has an awesome Discord channel with uh, a ton of our athletes and a ton of our staff. So that's fun. Um, you know, I, I took the inspiration from the Larva Labs Discord, got – you know, obviously not every client is on there and active, but we've got a lot of clients engaged and it's really fun to get these athletes together jamming on this stuff. Um, I'm also proud to say that we've got a good contingent of CryptoPunk owners amongst our client roster. I bet as a percentage basis, we have to be the agency with the highest percentage of punk owners across all of sports. So that's cool. Um, uh, it's fun. We got some Veep. One of our clients in particular, I'm so proud of him and I love him so much for it. He really aped on VFriends like bought a bunch of spectaculars and spent like real money and he's way up um, just because spectaculars in general have gone the most premium. You know, he bought like seven or eight spectaculars for, you know, five, six, seven ETH a piece. So he put in real cash, probably about a hundred grand in total. And I think he could sell probably two of them for a hundred grand at this point. So, and keep the five as house money. So um, that's been good. And then, yeah, we, um, you know, we could have easily had one of our clients drop an NFT project in February and cash grab with it, um, but we didn't want to do that. You know, no disrespect to the project that Gronk or Mahomes did, but it's not how I would have went about it. And I, I know that to be true because I didn't go about it that way. Um, I think that those projects, 
I think I won't even pick on those guys. I think projects that stand alone and are not a part of an ecosystem and not a part of a marketplace and literally have no function beyond the visual collectible item. Um, I think that really struggles. Like if my brother dropped a, a, um, the very, very, very lucky black cat, right? If he just dropped that as an NFT and it was literally just the black cat by itself, I don't think it would have any value without like that cross-reference of an ecosystem of characters, right? I think it's why trading cards do well. You buy a pack of cards and yeah, you might get a Steph Curry, but you might also get some guys that are not Steph Curry, right? And so beyond that, there's no utility. Like you own a Gronk NFT and I struggle with that. There is, there is actually a converse. I, I would take a counter position almost, not completely, but like um, if you... If you have someone who like who has built a brand and and people uh, value, I could have seen him dripping some of it out basically, and like you get rewarded the most for being that earliest buyer. Basically, I see some artists that are doing this right now. I'm not that's sure not what they did. Uh, uh, sorry. Oh no, that's not what Gronk did. No, no, no. Uh, I, I'm not yeah, saying yeah. that. I, I'm just saying like Got in it. terms of. Uh, piecemeal there is the potential i see artists doing that where they say like hey this piece is the key that unlocks access to these other future things of which i'm not telling you by the way i love that yeah that's not at all in any of these celebrity oh no the celebrity nfts are are individuals that have no clue what an n stands for an f stands for or a t stands for didn't do anything outside of maybe putting together a tweet or an instagram post and a quote for a press release let their team do everything, didn't create a community, didn't engage an audience, didn't tease any future roadmap, took their couple million dollars and kept it moving. Yeah. That, that, That's not okay by me. I, I completely agree. And there's a lot of people that got burned by other artists that did that. Uh, you know, there's yeah. a lot of nifty gateway victims, if you want to call it that. Yeah. I, that, that may be the wrong way to, to phrase it, but a lot of people yeah, I that- say victims, but- <laughs> unhappy consumers yes uh, buyer's remorse may be a better way of yes. uh, describing it and and it, it's tangible uh you you can see it in the in the collecting uh community well uh i, I don't want to take up all of your time today in terms of you know next uh moves in the nft space what is something we should be like uh keeping out for or should uh people just you know follow you on twitter <sighs> man i'm thinking about so much you know like we we've got so much moving on the nft space obviously we have v friends and Again, I'm only spending an hour or two a week on vFriends, so I don't want to misrepresent my involvement, but it is top of mind for me. And I'm, you know, whenever I see something, I'm sharing it with the team. Um, I think that um, there's a lot to deliver on that project. We promised a roadmap, we promised a big vision. And so that's a big focus. Um, as I mentioned here, we have a fund, um, Vayner Fund, that we spun up focusing on blockchain and NFT and Web3. Um, we actually have, so Vayner Media, the company that Gary and I first started back in 09, that he's still the CEO of, uh, I left five years ago, but I've been kind of moonlighting and participating again. We stood up a division of Vayner Media completely focused on NFT work with brands. So you'll probably be seeing, you know, from us some good announcements this summer, both personal brands and corporate brands and how we're helping them, you know, stand them up the right way, as opposed to what we just talked about. So that's coming. Um, we've got another project that Gary and I are working on unrelated to vFriends. It's a collaboration with a friend of ours. That should be coming probably sometime next month. So that's happening. I've been having a lot of active conversations around NFT projects pertaining to my athletes that I work with. 
So stuff like that is coming down the pike and probably a bunch more I can't even think of. It's It's been really chaotic, but in the best way possible. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been an exciting time in the world of NFTs. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, for people that want to keep track of your announcements, is Twitter the best way? Yeah, Twitter and Instagram, it's super easy. Um, it's just AJV on both those platforms, those three letters for my, my handle. Cool. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, man, Nick, thanks so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. That's it for this episode of the Nifty Nick podcast. And if you made it this far, make sure to subscribe at thenifty.com. Thanks again.